Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are, are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All Regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Very special episode today. We're going to be talking about eradicating AIDS. How incredible is that? This podcast is um, turning into... A bigger, more important thing than I imagined it being in my head when I first started uh, recording these. Uh, Just very cool stuff. I can't believe I'm getting amazing guests like uh, Professor Bert Jacobs today. Um, As always, thank you guys for all of the support. And I've mentioned before my my producer and friend Ramin Nazer, who he he does. He does all the audio. He took over doing audio around episode 20 or something. There was a, We were getting a lot of um, some feedback with some problems. And ever since he's, he's taken over um, doing the audio work, I haven't heard anything um, from any of you, which uh, you're always welcome to write if, if you notice anything we can improve upon, of course. But um, he's awesome. He designed the website. He did the cover art. Um, and he is... Uh, he advises me on a lot of uh, decisions and helps helps uh, with marketing and everything else. And I would really like you guys uh, to support his stuff. He's a fantastic stand-up comedian and artist. He has um, uh, several comic books that you can buy. He has a special, a stand-up special that you can buy. There's music. He does everything creative that there is, including... A uh, he he is now getting into the um, the gaming um, world, uh, creating um, gaming apps, and he has a new uh, addictive iPhone game on the App Store called Grow Shark. It's a just a super uh, simple minimalist game where you start off as a little shark and you eat anything smaller than you, and when you die, it shows. Uh, 
um, what becomes of your bones. So, so far, like I've ended up as a keychain, a stripper shoe, a exhibit in a museum, a blockbuster film, it, depending on how far you get. The endings are really um, uh, kind of the best part. They're super cool. It's it's a very lightweight, like one tap control game. It has 50 different endings. There's no advertisements. There's no push notifications, any of that garbage. And uh, yeah, and he says he's working on a port for the Android as well. So that should be available everywhere soon. So in the meantime, please search uh, for Grow Shark on the App Store. And uh, you know, as always, rate it five stars, give it a download, um, and whatever else you can do. Uh, you know, we don't charge for this podcast. We we encourage um, the charity of the week each week or charities of the week, and. And so, um, you know, I, I, we, I invest a lot in this podcast and, um, in the hopes that, uh, it will pay off and our, and you guys will support our, um, our other mediums that we're doing stand up and whatever else. And so if you could support us, um, support the show through supporting us, that would be fantastic again. That is Grow Shark on iPhone, and um, and it's it's uh, I'm just asking you to play a little video game, quick. <laughs> That's all, and and support my friend. So anyway, you guys are great, and uh, today's episode is absolutely fantastic. Um, one of my favorite one. I've I've been bragging about recording this episode to um to everyone I can ever since I recorded it like two months ago or something. Um, so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing all of your thoughts on it and enjoy. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. This is my last interview of day two. I'm at the Arizona State University. This is, I was a little worried this is going to be really grueling. The most podcasts, I've only done three in a week before because a lot of times I spend a lot of time preparing. And, um, and this time I'm doing eight in a week and three per day. And uh, I got a little sleepy on my last interview uh, yesterday, but today I'm feeling, I feel like I have a lot of energy and I'm excited to talk to my guest, Bert Jacobs, who is the interim director in the uh, School of Life Sciences and the professor, or, and a professor at the School of Life Sciences here at Arizona State University. Thank you for joining me, Bert Jacobs, who goes by Jake, yes. I'm told. So <laughs> we're going to be using Jake That's um, great. from here on out. Um, I kind of want to make up a nickname for myself to make you tell me <laughs> that. Um, th that would uh, <laughs> require me investing into a stupid joke for an hour. So we won't do that. Um, so, so Jake, you, um, what do you do exactly? So, you know, uh, for most of my work is right now revolving around HIV and AIDS. 
Because you study um, uh, viruses. Yeah, I study mostly. viruses. So, the uh, what, what's that? The title? I'm for, I'm spacing on the name. Uh, of, we uh, study vaccinia virus, which okay. is a pox virus, and vaccinia virus was um, the vaccine that was used to eradicate smallpox. So it, it, we've used it as a vaccine for 200 years. We know a lot about it. It works really well, and so we're trying to harness that same technology to try to make a vaccine for HIV. Okay. Can we set up some basics sure. quick? Because Certainly. I haven't had, we've talked about uh, on the podcast, we've talked about um, parasites mm -hmm. a bit, and we've talked yep. about um, the immune system uh, okay. on some episodes. Um, you know, what we've never talked about is what is a virus? Great. How do viruses work? So a virus is the, this, it, it's a pathogen. Many of them cause diseases, not all of them, but most of them cause disease. And it's sort of right on the edge between living and non-living. Um, you know, outside of cells. It's a zombie. It's a, well, yeah, <laughs> well, actually, people have, have used that analogy. It's a zombie. Really? Um, outside of a cell, it's dead. It's a complex chemical. But when it gets inside, gets into your body and gets into a cell in your body, it takes over that cell and forces the cell to make new virus. So it's a zombie. It kills that cell, releases new viruses that infect other cells in the body, and that's how we get sick from viruses. How does that happen? Like, what's, what's the mechanism that, uh, I mean, without, uh, uh, it might be very technical well, chemistry. No, I, no so, so viruses have very small blueprints in them and the blueprint in the virus has all the instructions on how to make a new virus. And so when a virus gets into the cell, the blueprint gets into the cell. The cell has its own really big blueprint to tell a cell how to make more cell stuff. And it looks at the viral blueprint and says, oh, this looks like another blueprint to me. Let me just make what, whatever's here. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, this, <laughs> this looks guy fine has to it me. all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, in the process of doing it, it's taking that blueprint and making new viruses. So the virus brings its own blueprint into the cell, and then, in some case, in all cases, forces the cell to read that blueprint, make more virus, kill the cell. Viruses spread out, infect new cells, and that goes on and on until our immune system kicks in and blocks the virus infection. Hmm. And so when did people start picking up on this idea? Because, yeah. uh, you know, year, years ago, yeah. I mean, yeah. we've, we've talked on some episodes recently where we still have these kind of faulty um, evolutionary leftovers where the, yeah. the, the brain isn't great at determining what is contagious and, yeah. Yeah. and what isn't. We are just kind of had this this heuristic, this rule of thumb, hey, that guy's walking weird or whatever. Yeah, just, stay, just stay away, away from, from them. <laughs> I don't um, want to catch yeah, the goofy yeah, walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the concept of a virus came around 1900, so a little bit of over 100 years ago. You know, we knew about bacterial pathogens because you can actually see bacteria in a microscope. But we also knew there were some diseases that, you know, you looked in the blood of, an of, of a person that had the disease, and you couldn't see anything. And that's because viruses are too small to be able to be seen by a, by a normal microscope. 
Um, and so uh, this became sort of the new paradigm for a new kind of disease-causing agent, something that was so small that we couldn't even see it, and something that would pass through a filter. So what, what, what the old scientists did in the 1900s is they had filters, and they knew they could filter out all bacteria, and for some diseases they could show that even though they filtered out all the bacteria, what went through the filter could still cause disease. Hmm. And so something was something really small um, that was able to cause disease. And what's the difference between uh, a virus and um, your average disease or germ or your so, common cold? So, you know, for, we, we, we separate most of our diseases into viral and bacterial. Bacterial diseases are, um, bacteria are what we call free-living organisms. They, they, their bacterial cells, bacteria are made of cells just like our body is made of cells. And so when a bacteria gets into our body, it doesn't, sometimes it gets into our cells, but many times it doesn't. It doesn't need to, to, to get into our cells in order to divide. Many bacteria just get into our body and start dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing. They're reproducing on their own. They're reproducing on their own. Viruses can't do that. Viruses have to be zombies. Oh. They have to get into cells in the body, take over the cell, force it to make new virus, and then spread. So that, that because of that, there, there's um, a real difference in how we can fight viruses and bacteria. And there's no, there's no good virus. Like, there's all sorts of good bacteria. Well, right? I don't know if I believe that. Oh, there, really? I think there might be some good viruses. That's so what we're starting to learn now is that... There, and I don't mean to... I skip you, around a lot, yeah, so you can always get me cool. back on that's track. If, so what we're starting to know, what, what, a, what a lot of people have done is realize that some viruses... So again, a virus has to get into a cell and reproduce, to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Some viruses reproduce better in cancer cells than in non-cancer cells. And so probably the hottest cancer therapy out there now are what we call oncolytic viruses. Viruses that get into cancer cells, divide in the cancer cells, kill the cancer cells, and when viruses do that, they stimulate a pretty strong immune response. And so the immune response starts attacking the tumor. Ah, um, that's and, amazing. Yeah, it's I so, haven't heard so about that. yeah, and and you know many of these oncolytic viruses we engineer in the lab, we tinker with them to make them oncolytic viruses. But there's some natural viruses that, like seventy, eighty percent of people in the world are infected with, that have very good oncolytic properties. Hmm. Uh, Best, the, the first oncolytic virus discovered was a virus called Reovirus. Rio is R-E-O, respiratory enteric virus, orphan. Orphan meaning there's no known disease associated with the virus, and yet we know that it can kill cancer cells. So maybe we have this sort of uh, uh, synergistic relationship with some viruses where we allow them to be in our bodies so that they can help us fight the cancers, just like we have those kind of interactions with probiotics. Right. Exactly. Hmm. That's interesting. And, and so how does, so when we're talking about a bad virus, yeah. um, you said, so that takes over, and then eventually, hopefully, the immune system right. steps in. 
Um, how how does that take place? So you know, there 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 some viruses uh, get into our bodies and replicate really quickly um, and kill cells until our immune system kicks in. Other viruses get into our body. They may infect a few cells, but not many. Reproduce slowly and uh, um, sort of go underground. So herpes virus is the best example of that. Herpes viruses, you 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 get you know, you sleep with the wrong person and you, not the wrong person. That's not what I wanted to say. You sleep with somebody that's got herpes, person. yeah, um, and you <laughs> they get might it. Might be your soulmate. They They're just right. Have herpes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a virus like any other virus, right? Yeah. Um, that virus, when you get infected with it goes to, to nerve cells in the base of the spine and lives there for the rest of your life. Mm. And eventually, every once in a while, comes back out, causes disease, goes back to the nerve cells and sits there for the rest of your life. So some viruses cause disease right away. Other viruses sort of go underground in the body and hide in the body for long periods of time, for, for you know, the rest of your life. And these um, these viruses and diseases sometimes evolve too, as as uh, they might start out these big, bad, fast-acting yep. things, and and just depending on um, sometimes population differences, mm-hmm. or sometimes yep. whatever we're doing to fight them yep. or cure them, that's yep. kind of um, influencing how they uh, adapt. Yeah. So you know when viruses reproduce. They evolve just like we evolve. Except much, much quicker. Except much, 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 much quicker. <laughs> and that's well, what's the, the problem. What's your lifespan of your average virus? Seven hours, Seven 10 hours, hours a, 24 a, hours maybe. So that's maybe. a generation? That's a generation okay. time. So, I mean, just incredibly rapidly. And that's the problem. So getting back to HIV. Yeah. That's the problem with HIV. HIV you know, lives, when somebody gets infected with HIV, um, they really don't have any symptoms for, you know, on average about 10 years. But during that 10 years, the virus is in the body. It's slowly um, um, getting rid of our immune system. And it's mutating over those 10 years so that you know, we, everybody gets infected with HIV, gets infected with one HIV virus. By the time 10, 10 years, they've been infected for 10 years, they're infected with millions of different HIVs. And wouldn't, theoretically, everyone's form of HIV be slightly different because This it, is the problem. Oh, How do wow. we make a vaccine if, you know... Somebody's HIV is different from somebody else's HIV. Someone's got the great AIDS. Another person's got the bad AIDS. You know, somebody's got, you know, yeah, a, type A or someone's type B. Got, someone's got Magic Johnson, and yeah. then some other well, guy's got the what everyone died of and doesn't remember their name. Yeah, but the other thing with Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson has the best medical care in the world. <laughs> and the reality is that HIV now, with good medical care, People can live virtually a normal lifespan. Right. Um, you know, the drugs are still toxic. You know, they don't cure somebody. You, so once you start taking anti-HIV drugs, you have to take them for the rest of your life. But 
if you stay on your meds and do that really well, um, people can live pretty pretty much a normal life now. Um, well, that's that's great news compared yeah, to yeah. what uh, it was what, exactly twenty, years 20 ago? well, yeah, I mean twenty twenty five years ago. The the new drugs came out. 1997 is when the, the first really good set of drugs came out. So back to this idea, I mean, that's, that uh, has me thinking a lot now because I always, you know, you know I, I knew there's obviously individual differences, so individuals might be reacting right. differently to the exact right. same virus, but I guess I never really thought that these, these viruses are taking completely different forms. So it, are you seeing massive differences in, um, in um, kind of uh, separated area? Uh, different parts uh, of the uh, world? Different parts of the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. So in, 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 in matter. You know, North America and Europe, the major HIV that's present is what's called clade B. And in the southern tip of Africa, it's clade C virus. These are pretty different viruses. They're both HIV. They both cause the same disease, probably cause it in similar ways. But the immune system, uh, uh, an immune response that will kill a clade B virus might not be able to kill a clade C virus and the other way around. And so when we think about vaccines, you know, that's one of the issues that we have to deal with when we think about making an, a, a vaccine for HIV. We've never had to think about a problem like this. The closest virus we've had to think about is flu, where every year you get a new vaccine because the virus is evolving. Right. Well, HIV evolves much more than flu and much more rapidly uh, than flu, and so any vaccine will have to be a vaccine similar to uh, a flu vaccine, but on steroids. It's going to have to be. It's much more of a problem that we have to deal with. Hmm. And theoretically, some treatments could uh, could end up making it worse if you're curing maybe one strain um, and leaving behind another strain that is maybe that can then take over and more yeah. powerful. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. It's things we, we always have to worry about. Wow. What a mess. So if you, so if you're like, uh, so you, you're unfortunate and, and you get AIDS and, but you know, you're still, uh, still have these drives. So I'm going to be either, Responsible. I'm going to log on to uh, AIDSMateFinder.com right. or right. AIDSORG.com yeah. 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 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because here, you know, you're still I have a human AIDS. being. Yeah, I still want to have sex. I have AIDS. Yeah. These other people have AIDS. No harm done. We're all just gonna. Uh, yeah, actually, that's not the case because the, everyone because some people are having the the cyclade B and some have C yeah, and, yeah. and now you're and you get co-infected and those those two viruses have now sex. you got double AIDS. Well, those two viruses <laughs> oh, okay. have sex and give you a third virus that's got part of clade A, part clade B. Oh, but you'll still only have one virus. It'll no. just be like a new... You'll, you'll have both the clade A virus, you'll have a clade B virus. Plus a third. Plus you have a triple third. AIDS. You've got a third virus. <laughs> oh, wow. And this, you know... It, we, it, this must be happening oh, a lot, it's ha too. Oh, it's happening. It happens. Yeah. Wow. There, because you think it... Because I think there actually are... I mean, I'm kind of 
uh, I was half joking, yeah. but there are like yeah. herpes yeah, dating yeah, yeah. websites. And but with, with HIV, though, um, the reality is that um, with care, people can have safer sex. Right. You know, condoms are a good way to prevent HIV transmission. Even if they're not the funnest. Yeah, you know, it, dep it depends how you put them on. Sometimes they can be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> All right. I gotta, I, I've been told. i got to try new ways. I've been told. I don't know. <laughs> um, but the other thing is when somebody is HIV infected and they're taking their drugs and the drugs are working, what the drugs do is they reduce the amount of virus in the body. Oh, okay. And so that reduces the amount of virus in semen and vaginal secretions. So if somebody is taking their drugs and really doing a good job, it becomes very difficult for them to transmit it to somebody oh, else. So that's not just helping the symptoms. On top of it, it's also um, limiting the transmission. So what I say is that treating people that are HIV infected is not just personalized medicine, but it's public health. Oh. It's a good thing for society as a whole for us to be treating HIV-infected individuals because if we treat them, in a lot of cases, we can get them to the point where it's very difficult for them to transmit the virus to somebody else. Right. Hmm. And the other... Well, because I think, you know, 20 years ago, the idea was just like, well, let's just keep those people away from us yeah. and, and yeah. just let, them, uh, let it run its course. And, you know... Uh, uh, from a public health point of view, you could think about that, but what that does is increase stigma. Right. And stigma is the last thing you want. Stigma keeps people from getting tested. Stigma keeps people from knowing whether they're HIV infected, and stigma then, therefore, lets the disease transmit to new people. Stigma kills. And so, yeah. you know, the, the reality is stigma kills. And so we have to do, in my opinion, we have to do everything we can to, to, to try to break stigma that's associated with these diseases. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is like a little, I've been tested for diseases twice in my life mm -hmm. now. And, um, well, the first time was just like, you know, I, I was just being cautious for a new girl. I really had nothing to... The, yeah. the nurse almost laughed at me when yeah. I explained her yeah. my sex life. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. I was like, come on. I I have yeah, a don't, la don't laugh at me. <laughs> I might have something. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then the second time was recently. What happened was, you may have, no, I have a cane here, and um, I got a bone infection uh. in my foot. And then, so, well, geez, it, to, to make... Uh, I'm, I'm going through this whole thing, you know, I can't walk, I'm on crutches, this is months long, and then I find out that the hardware they put in my foot got infected, and then, well, to make matters worse, then I have this, this weird lump, like, right in, near my groin area, I'm like, oh, no, what is it? I just assumed it had something to do with the infection, but I don't have yeah. the best, I have some uh, general, in California, I have just, my general practitioner is just for poor people or yeah. whatever crappy yeah. health care that I have. They give you five minutes is about yeah. all you get for an exam. And so at first she's like, oh, no, that's at first it's like, you might have a hernia. I go, oh, great. And then, no, we don't think it's that. Well, maybe you have an STD. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
And uh, which, which meanwhile, I hadn't been late in however long <laughs> since I'd been like you know, one of the most sexually inactive periods <laughs> of my recent life. And like, and now I find out, and and it turns out it was just swollen lymph nodes uh-huh. from from the infection from yeah. my foot. But it definitely, um, you know, it it's a scary yeah. Uh, yeah. thing to go through. Yeah. So by the way. There's people here at ASU working on ways to prevent infections from hardware that's put into the body. Really? Yeah. I should have talked to so those people. You may for your next your, your next ago. trip back here, you may yeah, want to talk to I them. Absolutely will. <laughs> that's that would be interesting to talk. Yeah. I've been I've had I had my surgeon on the podcast yeah. recently yeah. and I've had a lot of people looking at it from a bunch of different angles. That would yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Um so Um, Oh, one more thing about about HIV transmission. Um, The other uh, 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 protection method that has just been rolled out recently is a thing called PrEP, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis. And so if you are married to somebody who's HIV positive but you're HIV negative, what can happen is the HIV-negative person can start taking antiretroviral therapy. Um, if their partner is also who is HIV-positive is taking antiretroviral therapy, the, the, you know, the, the, the HIV-infected person taking the antiretroviral therapy will have their viral load decreased. If the, the non-infected person is taking antiretrovirals, if they happen to get exposed to HIV, the antiretrovirals can keep them from getting infected. Uh, and, and are these specific um, to, so do you figure out, like, the type of AIDS this person has and then, yeah. and so, then create specific treatment? For? No, most of, the, most of the HIV that's out there, even though there are lots of different clades, mm-hmm. most of it is susceptible to the same drugs. And that's we ha- good news. We, yeah, that's good news. <laughs> and, and, you know, the reason for that is we actually use a combination of at least three drugs to treat HIV. And so while HIV can easily become resistant to one drug, it becomes more difficult to become resistant to two drugs, and it becomes really difficult for the virus to evolve resistance to all three drugs at the same time. So um, because of that, um, the drugs keep working and they're working really well for all different clades of HIV. Hmm. That's very, very good news. Yeah. What about these people you sometimes see in the news? Um, this, I, th- I saw the first one like eight years ago or so. That it, it's like some freak thing where someone has AIDS and then just one day it just goes away. Well, that I, is, those probably aren't real. The reality is HIV is, as far as we know, 100% lethal in humans. There are very, very, very few long-term survivors unless you're on antiretroviral therapy. Now, there's one patient called the Berlin patient. Um, He actually had a treatment that got rid of his HIV in the body. So the Berlin patient was somebody who had uh, uh, um, a lymphoma, a blood cell cancer. And the way, and and he was HIV positive as well. Um, So HIV 
infects immune cells in the blood. And so, so when, when you have lymphoma, the way you treat lymphoma is you give people a very high dose of irradiation that kills all the immune cells in the blood. And then that's a problem because somebody's going to die if they don't have immune cells. So you do a bone marrow transplant from somebody else um, and implant their, some of their, their immune cells into the person. So you use the irradiation to get rid of the lymphoma. It also gets rid of all the immune cells at the same time, and then you do a transplant to put the immune cells back in. This guy's physician was really smart. It turns out about 1% of Caucasians have immune cells that are resistant to HIV infection. And so when he did the bone marrow transplant, he found a donor that had immune cells that were resist- resistant to HIV. Mm. So you put the immune cells back in, HIV has nothing to live in. And so the person has been HIV negative for, I'm going to say, seven, eight years now. I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly when, when uh, the Berlin patient had his bone marrow transplant. Yeah, I think that's the guy that yeah, I was thinking Yeah, it probably is. He, yeah, yeah that, he's pretty famous. It's a weird thing to be famous yeah, for. Yeah, it is <laughs> like, a weird thing to be famous you for. Get the, <laughs> yeah. like, you get recognized out at the restaurant. Like, hey, I know you from from somewhere. Like, no, 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 you don't. No, you're the AIDS guy. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> like, I'm kind of on a date right now. Yeah, do, you, yeah. do you mind? Then you got to explain that. Yeah, no, yeah. I used to have AIDS. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't have AIDS yeah. anymore. It's fine. Um, so, so that's, yeah. So, so, you know, that's great. But the problem is bone marrow transplants cost, I don't know, dollars $200,000. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to do that with, for, you know, something like this for the 30 million people infected worldwide. And bone marrow transplants, I mean, basically you have to destroy the immune system with irradiation before you do the transplant. And that works maybe 60, 70% of the time. Mm. The other 30% of the time, the person dies of the irradiation. So it's a risky procedure. You know, the Berlin patient had it done because he was dying of lymphoma. Yeah. But if you're not dying of lymphoma, you don't want to do a bone marrow transplant. Especially because, as you said, now people are living... Yeah. Pretty normal lives. Yes, yeah, exactly. So if someone's on top of it, um, I get AIDS tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I get right on top of it. I'm doing all the proper treatment. I, I could live to a normal age. Certainly it, it would have some effect, right? It, it's not it, much. The, the latest statistics show that it's a pretty normal lifespan for somebody that's HIV infected where they get on antiretrovirals pretty early on. Are these people getting like, Colds and things like that more often. No, the rea- so, so so again, um, people. So everybody, somebody gets infected with HIV. For the first ten years, there are virtually no symptoms. Right. Can't look at somebody during those ten year that ten year period and know they're HIV infected. The only way to know is if you get if they get tested. But during that ten years, the virus is slowly destroying the immune system. Hmm. But it's only at the end 
um, when the immune system is really destroyed that uh, people get what we call opportunistic infections. You know, infections that somebody with a healthy immune system could easily fight off will kill somebody who has AIDS. So if you, if you treat early on, the virus can't destroy the immune system. And so mm. there are no symptoms. They don't get colds any more than anybody else if the virus is under control because it can't destroy the immune system. And that's what gives you the symptoms of AIDS is the virus destruction of the immune system. Hmm. Uh, and, and again, how has... So, so sometimes these viruses can evolve and change, mm-hmm. and it seems like mm-hmm. they, uh, it, there are these different um, clades, is that how you Clade, pronounce clades it? Clades is the word. In, uh, in different areas, but how, has, how long have you been studying AIDS? So we actually don't work with a, HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. I do, we do vaccine work, and oh, I do I education. Okay. We, we do some HIV work in the lab, but but not a huge amount. Well, but we've been I've been involved um, since about uh, vaccine work. We've been involved since 2005. I've been doing a HIV edu- pre- prevention education since about 1990. Okay, and how has the AIDS virus changed in that time? So. You know, the AIDS virus has changed during that time, but what's really changed is how we can treat it. I mean, you know, know, in the 80s and early 90s, there was nothing we could do except watch people die. Mm -hmm. And then in 19... But wasn't wasn't HIV also, it seemed like it used to, or was it just that people didn't know? It seemed like HIV didn't last as long. It seemed like it went to AIDS so much faster. Probably not. The, the, The reality is we believe that HIV came to the U.S. in, you know, probably, uh, late, what is it? Early seventies or something like that. Late Mm. sixties, early seventies. And there's usually a 10 year, you know, a latency period, if you will, when, when people are healthy and then they get sick, people started getting sick in the early eighties. And that's when people thought all of a sudden that was a big AIDS. Yeah. And it wasn't just in the making. It was 10 years in the making. It had been sitting dormant in those people and they were spreading it to other people for that 10 years. And nobody knew. Hmm. Nobody knew. So what, um, what are you trying to do with the um, the vaccines you mentioned? The, yeah. Um, um, Vaccinia virus. Yeah. And the, the HIV vaccine. W- w- which was originally, yeah. this was at the beginning. We, so, yeah. So this vac- was originally for smallpox? Yeah. H- uh, Vaccinia is a vaccine for smallpox. What we can do now is we can engineer viruses to do pretty much what we want them to do. So we can take the virus that we've used as a vaccine for smallpox for 200 years. We can put, we can make that, we can force that virus to start making HIV proteins. Virus can't cause AIDS, but it'll make HIV proteins. And if we infect somebody with vaccinia virus that now makes HIV proteins, we hope to get an immune response to the HIV as well as to the vaccinia virus. And we're hoping that that immune response will then protect people uh, from getting infected with HIV. 
That's amazing. It's, if it works, <laughs> it'll be very cool. Yeah, <laughs> to cure AIDS. No, that, no, not I cure, mean, but, well, but to prevent. To prevent. To prevent um, a, a vaccine. Get rid of AIDS. To get rid of it, yeah. And, you know, we hope to get in testing soon. Some of our ideas into, into human testing soon. We've done testing with our collaborators in non-human primates, and the vaccine looks like it pretty good in non-human primates hopefully we'll get into human how do you soon. test it well yeah well the you you test it the way you do any hiv vaccine you take a group of people yeah large group of people that are hiv negative you split them in half and you tell them we're going to give you an experimental vaccine we have no idea whether it works so you have to use protection Mm-hmm. And in half, one group gets the vaccine, and the other group gets a placebo. No, basically a sugar pill. And we say to them, "You don't know. I don't know who got the vaccine and who got the placebo. You don't know, so you better protect yourself." And we let them go out and live their lives. And every six months, we bring them back and ask and, and test them to see whether they became HIV infected or not. The vaccine works. You should get fewer HIV infections in the vaccinated arm than in the placebo arm. What are the rates of uh, in the general population? Well, in the in the U.S., it's very low. It's you know, a couple tenths of a percent. In sub-Saharan Africa, uh, there are places that have fifty percent HIV infection rates. Wow! In rural South Africa, a young woman. Uh, I believe it has about a 50% chance of being infected by the time she's 24 years old. Wow, that is... And, and what was the rates in the U.S. again? A couple of tenths of a percent, mm. something like that. Wow. So you would Huge be testing difference. us there. So all new vaccines w- trials will be done in sub-Saharan Africa now. Right. Wow. You might get rid of AIDS. Um. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's certainly, it's Fingers what we crossed. hope. It's, it's what we hope. <laughs> but, you know, what we can do right now, this yeah. is my, this is my, my segue, um, what we can do right now is teach people how to protect themselves right. without a vaccine. You know, we can teach them about abstinence, being in a faithful relationship, or using a condom if they're not abstinent and they're not in a faithful relationship. We can teach them about uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis. We teach about testing. Those are all things that we can do right now everywhere around the world and make a big dent on this epidemic. And so two of the the, the, the nonprofits that I work with um, take U.S. college students and bring them to Africa to do HIV prevention campaigns. What are the names of the nonprofits? Uh, the one is Support for International Change, and the other is Heal International. And you know, the idea is: can we get U.S. college students working with African college students to then go out into the communities and working together do intensive education campaigns? to teach rural people how to protect themselves from HIV. And then the campaigns end, we go in and we do mobile testing for HIV. 
we'll do a soccer game, maybe show a movie, and bring in a, a four-wheel drive pickup truck uh, and set up a testing tent mm. and test as many people in the community as we, as we can. And is AIDS still just blood tests? It, yes, yeah, just a simple blood test. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a finger stick, um, and you get the results in 10 minutes. Tell you what you need is you just need like a little saliva well, swab that everyone can have in their home, and then you're gonna hook up with someone yeah, yeah. who'll be like, "Hey, let's both yeah. let's both do this just so we both know." And then there you... is a saliva test available. Uh, you know that we don't. It's 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 more expensive, so we don't use it in Africa. But there is a saliva test oh, available. Oh, and it's reliable. Yeah, it's reliable. It's just same reliability as the blood test. Oh, and you can yeah. just get them at any pharmacy. No, you can't. Um, you, you have to go in and get uh, someplace that does testing. It's not available at a pharmacy. Oh, so you can't just have it at your house? No, you can't well, that's a, it, that should be the future of, of things. It's an idea. I, you know, I, I don't know if that will happen or not. The, the, the problem with it is still getting a test that comes up positive for HIV is really traumatic. And so you don't want to just be hanging out in your house and say, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to test stumbling. myself. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you stumble in drunk on that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. awkward. So you're, you really but, want to have, if it's positive, you want to have test counseling available to talk to somebody about how it's what the drugs are. It's a little bit of a, a buzzkill. <laughs> it's a bit of a buzzkill, but, you know, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, my God, you know, my life is over. Yeah. And that's not the case. And so you really need to have counseling for somebody who gets tested in cases positive so that they don't do something stupid like jump off a building or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I still want a home kit <laughs> <laughs> to, to test. I'm, I'm not the type that brings home random girls very yeah. often yeah. or whatever anyway, but uh, it would be handy to have her out there. <laughs> we, we, we just got done talking uh, with, uh, I just got done talking with Doug um, Kenrick and we were talking the various subselves in the mind, uh -huh. and sometimes we behave in ways that yep. are unexpected which is all the more reason right. to have condoms and everything else ready, yeah. even if you don't think that yeah. you're going to be. And what I say is that when, you know, we have this lovely young person naked in front of us who wants yeah. to have sex, we get stupid. We all get oh, really yeah. stupid and say, oh, I don't need a condom this time. <laughs> You know, and so, you know, we, we, that, that's why for me a vaccine is so important yeah. because we can take the decision making away from the act of sex because we all get stupid and yeah. there's a possibility of sex. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, vaccine, it would be a mate. I, I mean, I just have to be honest. If I, if I try putting a condom on, that can really ruin things <laughs> in a hurry. And I can have a tough time recovering <laughs> from, uh, from that. I have a very fickle... Uh, you just need to have your girlfriend put uh, yeah, it on I, for you I, in a very erotic no, I, way. You're <laughs> absolutely right. And intellectually, this is, uh, this is all... Uh, yeah. Of course you're right. Uh, but, but I think that there's yeah. just a lot of people that yeah, probably feel the same way. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That I do. So practically speaking, knowing that people aren't, we want you to do the right thing always, yeah. but uh, when guiding yeah. um, a society, yeah. 
figuring out the way to navigate our our um, imperfect decision making yep. is important as yep. well. Um, so so what about um, so oh, uh, one other plug by the way yeah. So um, it, I, it was it was support for international change, and then what was the second one? Heal, Heal International. Heal. So so uh, let me tell you a story about that. There's there's a story that goes goes uh, with this. I love stories. Um, so um, SIC was started, I think, in 2002, and it was started by a couple of college kids who said, you know, they, they actually went to Tanzania with another organization. They came back and said, we can do a better job than they do. And so they started this organization, SIC. They brought their first group of U.S. college students to Africa. I think it was 2002. Um, and they said, you know, we really need somebody to do a good orientation to teach us about HIV and AIDS. And uh, one of the kids who was on the first group that went to Africa was at his uh, roommate's father's house having dinner, telling this story. And his roommate's father, a friend of mine, said, I got just the guy for you. He does HIV prevention education. And so I started going over there, and I think it was 2002, 2003, doing the orientations for the, the, the U.S. and African college students and that's in Tanzania. Amazing. And where is it? Tanzania. Tanzania. Yeah, we go to Arusha, Tanzania. And then in 2006, I think it was, one of my graduate students says, you know, I'd like to go over there with you. And so he came over, worked with SIC, and came back and said, I think I can do it better than they do. And so he started Heal International. And Heal does HIV prevention, but it does broader public health. And so it does uh, hand washing, tooth, uh, you know, teaching people how to brush their teeth, teaching people to wash their hands after they go to the toilet. Uh, they do microfinance to get people to have small projects so that uh, they can raise enough money to have a doctor come into the to the villages. And so, you know, SIC is, is really primarily HIV. HEAL is broader and does sort of global public health work. Mm, I see. And it, all, it started, you know, um, in, you know, basically 2002 with a couple of college students who said, I can do this better. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, so where, how often do you travel for this? Do I, you, I usually go once a year. Once a year, you go to Tanzania. Tanzania, yeah. I'm going for. I'll be there for two weeks this summer. Is it? Uh, what's it like over there? Is oh, it cool? Awesome. Yeah. Tanzania you get is a to wonderful country. Hang out with like orangutans uh, or anything. You know, I've done, you know, <laughs> I've, 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 that's my limited knowledge yeah. is like what I see on the animal planet, yeah, which yeah. I know is no reflection yeah. of reality, but I still have this yeah. fantasy. You know, I've head. I've done one safari when I've been there. Usually, when I'm there, I'm working, and so right. I just go there and I work. Oh, it must be very um, fulfilling. Oh, it's awesome. I, you know, I, I've said in the past that I feel like I accomplish more in the one month that I'm in Tanzania than I do in the other 11 months that I'm working here. It, well, it, it's, it's almost so like gratifying. The difference between 
um, eradicating AIDS here yeah. and preventing a yeah. little bit yeah. of it yeah. over there is like night and day, yeah. numbers wise yeah. of the amount yeah. of lives saved. Yeah. That's just uh, yeah. way bigger yeah. influence. Yeah. Going out over that, I mean, anyone could just go over there and pass out condoms and yeah. probably be <laughs> saving more lives yeah. than yeah. than what the top minds in the country are, yeah. are trying to do for the U.S. And we do that. We we distribute condoms. We teach people how to use condoms. It gets interesting at times. Sometimes we're doing it in churches. We're teaching people how to use condoms. Really? Yeah. Uh, not too many Catholics around there. Yeah, actually, are, are they coming actually, around? a lot of Catholics. Um, a lot of Catholics and some of the ministers have said, you know, we'll first go in and said they'll say, you can't talk about condoms. And then we'll get question after question after question after question from the audience about condoms. Yeah. And the minister will say, okay. Right. You know, my parishioners want to hear about it. Talk about it. Yeah. So. Well, good. Yeah. I, I, the Pope should come out and yeah. take a firm stance one of these days on maybe the most reasonable yeah. thing yeah. that he yeah. could ever say. Yeah. But I uh, think he at one point he said something like, condoms may be okay to prevent <laughs> transmission of HIV. Oh, no, that that was like, if if it's like transvestite prostitutes or something yeah. like that yeah. are allowed to, yeah. but like the rest of the general, yeah. ugh, so silly. Um, I, I won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stay on point. Um, and so, so what are... So I don't understand exactly how you're able to repurpose um, this... Um, Vaccinia uh, virus. Vaccinia. Yeah. I got to circle this. So, so again, think of Vaccinia. In Vaccinia, there's a blueprint. You're right. That tells... So that when Vaccinia infects a cell, the cell looks at the blueprint and starts making more Vaccinia virus. What we can do is we can engineer vaccinia virus and put one extra page into the blueprint. Ah. And that extra page tells the cell how to make HIV proteins. Not make HIV, but to make HIV proteins. Mm. And so now the cell, when it gets infected by this special vaccinia virus, makes an immune response to the vaccinia proteins but it's also forcing the cell to make HIV proteins, and hopefully we'll get an immune response to the HIV as well. Can you do this with other diseases? No, you can do it with any disease you want. In theory, you can do with any disease you want. Get rid of herpes and all that stuff. Will you just please get rid of <laughs> all of the STDs? So, you know, <laughs> the, the, the reality... I'm begging you. Yeah, what do right. I got to do? <laughs> the reality is, you know... Herpes, like HIV, is a real difficult vaccine yeah. project. We know how to make vaccines for all the easy stuff. We're now at the point of trying to make vaccines for the really tough stuff. And we think this idea of, of genetically engineering known vaccines to be vaccines for other things has a good chance of helping us make vaccines for the really tough stuff that we haven't been successful with yet. What's the tough ones? You got AIDS, Herpe you got herpes, herpes, HIV, malaria, TB. Hmm. Those are probably the biggest ones right now that are really difficult. Hmm. Um, so 
Are there any other, uh, you mentioned that there's some Caucasians that are immune. What other genetic factors, because uh, you take a genetics course and mm -hmm. you learn about um, these um, uh, different alleles, right. and if you have right. uh, the, the, hy the hybrid of, of um, both a dominant and, uh, yeah, and recessive yeah. uh, like why is there still this recessive gene that makes it right. so you can have malaria right. or sickle cell so, that's what yeah it is. sickle cell anemia. Uh, so, but if you have the both the dominant and yeah. the uh, the yeah. recessive together you're less susceptible to malaria right. so there's actually an advantage to keeping that recessive trait around and that may be a similar case with the people that are resistant to HIV infection they've got a deletion in a particular gene on immune cells that make HIV not able to infect those the immune cells. Hmm. HIV can infect the immune cells, can't do anything. You'll say, great, let's just delete that gene out of everybody. There's a cost. It turns out that people that have that deletion are more susceptible to other virus infections West Nile is the one we know about. Mm, son of a so bitch. it's yeah. So there's a cost associated. With well, it. I'll take my chances with the old well, West Nile. <laughs> you know, there there are a lot of people who say that, and and you know, it's the uh, so so. We know that from the Berlin patient that this works. That if we can get rid of this gene, if this gene is not present, we can cure somebody of HIV. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of people now saying, okay. Let's take immune cells out of an HIV-infected person, delete that gene in the test tube. We're pretty close to being able to do that now, and then put those immune cells back into their body. Oh. It's, it, it, you know, we can't, we're not quite there, but the reality is the technology to do that is pretty damn close right now. Hmm. And that would be, and it's a pretty controversial technology, because obviously, if playing you want, God. you were playing God. Yeah. But if we're playing God to save some people's lives, that's uh, a pretty damn good reason to play God. In, it's a in, good in God Bible. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, I mean, this is just. Um, I think this week uh, there's a bit of news with um, with. China just did their yes. first. Yes. Uh, I didn't even read. Yeah. I've just seen smatterings of yeah, it. Yeah, they on, did like, their Twitter first attempts to genetically engineer a human embryo. Hmm. So this may be something that it's, it's a similar and... technology that they used is what would be used to delete this gene out of immune cells in, in somebody's body. Very similar technology. So. Tell me again about um, herpes. I'm very. I'm just so obsessed with sexually. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. We all are. It's a, well, I'm a single man right now, and then I just had a test recently, yeah. and 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 so it's just something that's on yeah. my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, you a know, bit, a bit more than usual. I mean, herpes is. So uh, so yeah. you said it. It recesses back. It it, it goes into hiding. Right. In. The nerve, spine or the spinal cord. Yeah, nerves in the spinal cord. So there, there are two types of herpes simplex virus, HSV-1 and HSV-2. We used to say that HSV-1 occurred above the waist and HSV-2 occurred below the waist. With modern sexual practices, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
so back when it was Ma and Pa. Yeah, uh, you know, that's was, what it was. Yeah. Not so anymore. Um, it's so all mixed around. Yeah, they, they get mixed and around. Ears and butts <laughs> and everywhere else. Yes. So HSV-1 or, or oral herpes, Okay. the virus travels back down the nerves to, to a nerve at the base of the spine, at the base of your, your, uh, your head, and sits there for decades, for your whole life. and Without a symptom. Well, it, every, every once in a while, virus comes back down the nerve, causes an infection in the lip, and you get a cold sore. Mm-hmm. And then it goes away, but the virus is still present at the base of your spine. Hmm. So next time you're immune suppressed, next time you get too much exposure to sunlight, um, you drink too much, something like that, virus can come back down, out. Tricky bastard. Tricky um, bastards. So, and for HSV2, it, it goes to, the, to, to nerve cells in your lower back. And, you know, for women, often it'll come back out maybe if they have stress from a period. Mm-hmm. Come back out. And go away, but it's still present in in the base of the spine. And is it only contagious when it's active, um, or it's even when it's most in hiding? Contagious when it's right. active. There's data that says that it's possible to get infection without an active outburst outbreak, but there's probably it's probably less likely because there's a whole lot less virus around. So what's the oral one? What's the what's the um, how Big do we, deal. You just have a cold sore once. So, like, what what other yeah. effects are? No, that that's it. I mean, it hurts and it looks ugly, and you can transmit it to somebody else. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, transmitting it to another person is by far the worst part yeah. of of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, HSV two sores that are a little painful is. But HSV two is the same thing, or, or genital herpes. You know, you get a sore. It hurts for a while, and then it goes away. But, but it's still a sore on your genitals. That's right. That's right. We, <laughs> and, and we as humans feel different about sores on our genitals than we do about sores on our lips. Well, I would think just the, the pain threshold isn't yep. as, as yep. good. But, yeah, then yeah. you get eked out a lot more by yeah. it and, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, um, you get infected with a herpes simplex virus, you're infected for life. That's interesting. It, it, it's, um, I mean, it is fascinating to me the different um, strategies. Yeah. I mean, uh, using the word strategy. No, it's a, it's a great, mean, kind it's a great of, analogy. Uh, uh, I mean, you you want listeners to know that there's. Yeah. I mean, how, what's actually happening is they're right. kind of stumbling through this. There's right. copies being right. Uh, so being it, made, it, and then there's an error that happens to be a little right. more beneficial right. to the reproduction. But in hindsight, um, certainly it looks like a strategy. And and it's not that the virus is saying, "Oh, I'm going to do this." It's not it's consciously that, thinking. It's not consciously thinking. It's that evolution right. gives it a strategy that allows it to be successful. Right. And that is that's absolutely fascinating yeah. to me. The different ways oh, yeah. in which things figure out to yeah. to get like what what's the um, 
Wait, what's the weird one with the rat that gets into? Oh, oh, the virus needs to get wants to get into a cat. Like that's uh-huh. a strategy, yep. and through that, it manipulates the, the cognitive rat. functions of, of the rat. rat to make it drawn to cat yeah, urine, right. which it would normally the, be fearful of exactly. any scent of a yeah, cat. Yeah. And so now it's drawn yeah. to this stuff. Now the cat eats it, and now the virus gets, gets into in the, the cat that's around it. And there's stuff with, like, fish and stuff. Yeah, there's fish, so. and, and there, there's stuff with insects. I mean, th- this is, you know, you talk about zombies. Yeah. The virus is getting over and causing a behavior change in the rat. It's causing the rat to say, oh, gee, cat urine looks good, smells good to me. Right. That's so the, a, the ultimate that's zombie. The ultimate zombie. And, and so um, so what do you, th- uh, has, has it been tested? And I would say certainly it's possible, but how possible is it that, um, that one of these um, sexually transmitted infections pops up one day that, that maybe maybe we don't even realize that it could already be happening where where herpes might make the carrier yep. just slightly more horny, just slightly more inclined toward risk taking behavior. Uh, again, the or, virus is sitting in nerve cells. Yeah, you know, it, you could <laughs> ima- easily imagine that it's it's affecting behavior just where it's sitting. That uh, we don't know that that's the case. I know of no evidence for that. But if you think about it, it's, it's possible. It would be so beneficial yeah. for the virus to yeah. stumble ab- across yeah. such a solution yeah. that uh, it seems very possible that that may be. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that is definitely a different version of the zombie apocalypse yeah. than what The Walking Dead is yeah. portraying. I, because I, really, it, we might just become a bunch of sex-crazed <laughs> lunatics yeah. that... Don't eat or sleep. We just do nothing but run around trying to bone one another, yeah. and then it spreads like yeah. crazy. I went to a seminar at the Arizona Science Center, and it was about zombie viruses and fungi and things like that. It was absolutely fascinating how you know these microorganisms change our behaviors, um, and sometimes that that behavior change increases their chances of getting transmitted. Hmm. Because there's even, I think there's like stuff with certain things that make you itch or whatever can mm-hmm. lead to yeah. transmission. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, uh, I mean, rashes do yeah. that. And yeah. It's, uh, and it's incredible. You, know, you think about uh, bacterial diarrhea. That, the, you know, bacteria... When they cause diarrhea, it increases spread of the bacteria because it gets in, into, you know, in, at least in the old days, it oh, get, right. got into the water supply. Oh, okay. And so the symptoms in that case help increase the spread of the pathogen. I never thought of a diarrhea because then there's more runoff and it gets into the water supply. Wow. Yeah. Huh, that's amazing. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I don't know if there is any uh, last thing you want to close with or what I think we had a fantastic conversation. I'd love I, to. I just um, I wanted you to uh, um, mention um, one more time 
the two play. If you guys are um, a, as concerned about AIDS as I am, and and possibly more so, which we obviously should all. This is affecting um, us as a global population. Um, go to uh, it, it's support for international change, right? And Heal International. And let me give you a third one. Awesome. I'm also on the board of Aunt Rita's Foundation here in Phoenix, Can Arizona. Can you say that again? Aunt Rita's Foundation. Aunt Rita's? Aunt Rita's Foundation. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the, the organization. R-I-D-A? T-A. T-A. Rita. Oh, Rita. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, Aunt Rita was um, a, a, a transvestite in performer in Phoenix. And um, Aunt Rita's foundation was started to raise money for HIV-infected people in Phoenix. And now Aunt Rita's runs the um, AIDS walk in Arizona. And so we raise money uh, for service agencies that um, uh, work with HIV-infected people. And in fact, Heal International is one of the agencies that gets money from Aunt Rita's foundation. Oh, cool! So, uh, so, so if you're if you're in if you live in the area and you're listening, you can. If you're broke, you don't have money to afford. You can volunteer. You yeah. can do a, a walk. You can get involved. And yeah, you absolutely. Can raise money and get some exercise out of it, and get the community involved, and give yourself a big old pat in the back, and everyone in your neighborhood's going to think you're a saint. Uh, it's just a win-win. So, um, go to the herewearepodcast.com website, and I will have. All of those, um, link, usually there's one link. I will have all of those links up on uh, this episode. And thank you, Jake. Thank you. Um, this was a pleasure. A.K.A. Bert Jacobs <laughs> <laughs> for, for coming on the program. This is a great conversation. Good. I I've enjoyed it, gonna too. are going to like it. Thanks. Thank you guys for listening. What a fantastic episode. How amazing <laughs> is, is that? You just heard from the guy who might eradicate AIDS. I think that is so cool. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be a better world if, if this was the kind of uh, stuff that everyone was listening to for entertainment and talking about it, you know, dinners and cocktail parties or whatever, whatever social gatherings rather than just trying to make forced, awkward, small talk about the weather we could talk about all of the interesting things that we're learning about. I think that would make for such a more fascinating and um, enjoyable world to live in. And I think we're all a part of it. Um, you know, this this podcast is one of one of many, many. You know, obviously, there's TED Talks and a, a million other things, and and um, things seem to be going that direction. I think that's very exciting. And I appreciate you guys supporting me in this in my own endeavor um, into exploring all of the meanings of life and that sort of thing. And uh, extra special thanks for everyone who has rated and reviewed this podcast on iTunes. We got a hundred ratings on iTunes, uh, which I appreciate. And um, and so we'll be releasing a bonus episode this week. On, on Thursday, we'll be releasing an episode all about drugs, the neurology of drugs, what drugs really do to the brain. Spoiler alert, it's not like an egg and a frying pan at all. 
that's not even close. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of myths involved in, in what drugs actually do and how addiction actually works. And we're going to get down to the bottom of all that, which I am um, particularly interested in because I've done a bunch of drugs. <laughs> and, uh, and, and some of them, fun, just fun, just a good time. Some, some of them got me in trouble, sure. And we'll talk about that too, but um, but anyway, I I just want to thank you guys so much for all of your support so far. We're gonna keep on releasing bonus episodes each time we hit those milestones. Each time um, you review my album, uh, my big break, or this podcast. Every time you do that, we're closer to another bonus episode. So please do that. And again. Just another reminder, my friend, my producer, web designer, all of that, um, soulmate, bromate, uh, what am I talking about? Ramin <laughs> Nazer, um, that's R-A-M-I-N-N-A-Z-E-R, RaminNazer.com go to and check out all of the things that he's doing and especially um, his latest venture into the um, iPhone gaming world. Check out his app, GrowShark. Uh, such a created, creative and talented guy. Um, at the very least, check out a couple of stand-up clips on his website. He's super funny. You're going to like it. And thank you guys for listening. I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide Buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century, mm-hmm. and he, uh, one of the reasons... It's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> He's like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a rich... I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my a, girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs>